Welcome to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Shane here. And today I want to talk about why people invest in Lego sets. Why do I do it? Why do you do it? Why do people do this? Why are people buying Lego sets as an investment? Because of course we have a lot of options and we could be buying stocks, we could be buying real estate, but also we could be buying a ton of other collectibles because Lego is not the only collectible out there that goes up in value. And there are a handful of other markets that are similar to Lego sets that also go up in value and also have investors that do pretty well. And I'm going to talk about some comparisons between Lego and other investment options. And, you know, what is the reason that I turn to Lego sets? I'll share some of my thoughts on that. And again, I want to make sure that this is a bit of an ad hoc discussion. Uh, So I'm just going to be spitballing here and sharing some of the things that jump into my head. Uh, But if you want to continue the discussion, of course, uh, we do have a free Facebook group you can head over to and you can jump into that. It's called Lego Investing and Reselling on Facebook. Uh, So what are some of my thoughts on reasons that people invest in Lego and the benefits of, of investing in Lego? Now, firstly, you know, you got to compare it to the alternatives because whenever you're talking about any sort of investment, you need to compare it to the alternatives. Um, You know, I took an economics class uh, when I was doing my master's. And one of the first things we learned was, you know, when you're studying or when you're looking at investment options, uh, they always use this thing called the discount rate when they're calculating the expected return on investment. If you're looking at the potential return that you would get by investing in real estate, you're going to use what they call a discount rate, but it basically just means uh, what is the return on investment you could get in something else? Uh, If you invested in stocks, what would be the return on investment you might get there? Um, And then you kind of factor that in to your calculations when you're calculating what you think you might earn on this deal. And so I'm not going to get all technical and, and nerdy about it right here, but the general idea is really that you need to be thinking about what alternatives you would have with your money and where you could invest it and then just basically figuring out which one is the best and whenever we're talking about investing this is the the way we should be thinking we should always be thinking about what is the best use of our investment dollars and so that's the first thing that we need to think about now what are the options right we've got all sorts of different options out there for investing our money. We've got the stock market, which obviously is probably the most famous and popular and one of the easiest to do um, if you you know invest in the index funds, the S&P 500 stock market index funds and stuff. That's re- relatively easy to do. You do need to learn a little bit in the beginning. Um, but then you know we can go down all sorts of different rabbit holes when it comes to investing. We could talk about real estate. Right, real estate can be an incredible way to invest your money. Uh, I actually do invest in real estate, and um, you know there's big barriers to entry on it, uh, but it can be lucrative. It also involves a lot of time, and you need to spend a lot of time with real estate investment because you have to, you know, going through the process of actually buying a property and that contract and the inspections and everything that's involved with that it does involve a lot of time a lot of energy and a lot of knowledge Uh, so the barriers to entry on real estate are quite high as opposed to stocks 
Then we could talk about things like precious metals, like gold, silver, platinum, all sorts of different types of metals that people uh, invest in. And those, you know, they're not going to pay you a cash flow uh, every month. And cash flow is something that a lot of investors look for, right? They want to be able to make um, actual cash back into their pocket. And the thing with gold and silver and and platinum is that they're not going to pay you dividends or anything like that, like the stocks would or like real estate would. Uh, but when you sell them, typically you could hopefully sell them at a price that's higher than what you actually bought them for. And so there is an arbitrage opportunity with precious metals, and they are a good store of value, and they have been for a long, long time in history. Um, and then you've got other investments that you you know that you could go so far with. So for example, you've got options in the stock market. You're again talking about stocks, but it's basically different ways that stocks are traded uh, with options. You've also got um, commodities such as oil or such as uh, hay. You've got all sorts of different commodities you could trade. And then you could even move toward um, other collectible markets. So Lego is obviously a collectible item and that is why prices go up. But it's not the only collectible market out there. We've also got art, for example. Art is one of the real long historical tried and tested collectible markets out there. It is one that has been done for many, many hundreds of years uh, in terms of uh, the wealthy people trading really fine art. And that has not stopped to, to this day. There's a massive, massive art market out there. And that is where a lot of wealthy people will invest their money because if the art piece becomes known at all, then prices will definitely go up in overtime. And prices on art can go up just from simply being older. Uh, you know, if you find an art piece that's a couple of hundred years old, an old painting, you know, sometimes it doesn't even matter who the artist was or whether they actually were famous. Uh, if it's just simply old, it can be, uh, it can, the values can go up. And so there's a lot of different things that can contribute uh, to that. Obviously, the, the time period that it came from and the kind of things that are revolved around that time period and the history and different things. And that's just with art. Then you also have things like the wine market or the whiskey market. There's kind of different markets of collectible wine. And you will hear a lot about uh, people with wine cellars who collect uh, certain years and certain batches of wine. Very, very common, very popular investment method. Again, these are all investments, right? You're talking about art being an investment, wine being an investment. They're all investments. You could also look at things like... Um, Luxury watches, right? That's actually kind of taken off a lot again in recent years. I think, uh, you know, TikTok and content creators have helped to lift the luxury watch market a little bit. And uh, like vintage watches and kind of old one-time uh, or one-of-a-kind watches and different things can be very, very common investments and can also be lucrative for those who take the time to actually learn how to invest in those items. You also have things like coins. Uh, we talked about precious metals already, but you can also, you, you know, there's sp specific coins uh, that you could invest in. Um, you could look at things like comic books. Comic books are very, very common um, investments, and some of them can go up in value significantly, especially if it's something like a first, uh, first, first print or first uh, edition in a new run that becomes popular over time. And when it first launches, it won't be so popular, but over time it might become popular. And maybe that's the first time that those characters inside of the comic book are actually appeared 
in that series. And so they call it a first appearance. Um, so let's say a comic book where it was the first appearance of Batman or the first appearance of Wolverine. Uh, those comics are going to be selling for very, very high values. And so over time, comic books can definitely go up in value as well. You have things like stamps, right? The stamps market is very interesting. And that has also been an area that has been highly collectible for a long, long time now. And, you know, continues to be where people can invest money as well in stamps. Then you have some of the more common or more, uh, I guess, modern collectible markets, such as trading cards, right? In trading cards, you have Pokemon or you have baseball or basketball or, you know, there's all sorts of different uh, trading card markets out there. Magic the Gathering obviously is a very famous one. And recently, Magic the Gathering got a lot of, uh, of airtime because one of their cards sold for $2 million. And it was actually Post Malone, the famous singer, who bought that card for $2 million. And the reason it sold for $2 million is because the creators of Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast, they decided to create a Lord of the Rings uh, variant of Magic the Gathering cards. And so this is a new game that came out based on Lord of the Rings. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know Magic the Gathering, by the way, it's a card game. And, you know, it's been going for a long time. But they release new cards every year. And this year they released a new Lord of the Rings version of the game. And they only made one single copy of the One Ring. So any Lord of the Rings fans out there, you know the One Ring is the ring that the whole series is based on. And they just made one, obviously, which is a, a play on the fact that it is supposed to be just the One Ring. There's only supposed to be one of them in existence. So they made just one of them. And someone in Canada, I believe, found it and sold it for $2 million to Post Malone. And the reason that it sold for $2 million is because there's just one in the world, one of one. And so that is highly collectible. So trading cards can become super collectible. Obviously, you know, each different card game can have different uh, reasons that drive up values. So baseball um, and basketball and, you know, sports cards, obviously you could have the rookie cards from players who become super uh, famous and popular over time. But when they first obviously hit the scene, nobody knew who they were. And so the card uh, in that card collection that was released that year, their rookie year, um, you know, nobody cared much for it in the first year but later they became super sought after and uh, there's only so many of them available obviously because they stop manufacturing them they move on to the next year and the next year and the next year so collectors need to go back in time and find those versions of those cards that are still available and so uh, you know card trading cards can be a massive collectible market and then you also have things like sneakers right sneakers or if you are one of our international friends not in the US uh, you would probably say something like runners. <laughs> so sneakers is a massive collectible market because uh, you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of artificially uh, reduced supply that happens in the sneaker market because the manufacturers they want to do limited editions and you know a certain amount of uh, of a certain sneaker available on certain dates and different things and they sell out very very quickly. There's a massive rush to try and get those sneakers. Obviously in recent years, you've had a lot of bots and different things that have been snapping them all up and that have caused problems for, for real fans. And this causes more shortage of the supply, which causes even more FOMO and uh, fear of missing out and, um, and desirability. 
and that causes prices to go up even quicker. This also happened with graphics cards in the last couple of years when there was a shortage on graphics cards and everybody, you know, it increases the desirability whenever something is not readily available. And so we have all sorts of different investment markets here, all sorts of different collectible markets. Each one has different reasons that things go up in value, whether it's comic books or coins or trading cards or sneakers or fine art or whiskey or wine or stamps. <laughs> the prices go up for all sorts of different reasons, but really under the hood of it all, it is the same things that drive that price up. It's kind of disguised in different ways, right? But at the end of the day, it's all supply and demand. It's all because the supply is super low on collectibles. When something is limited and it is only made to, for a certain length of time or there are a quantity limit on the amount of them that's made, uh, then it, you know, the supply is constrained. By its very nature, it is constrained. With fine art, for example, if you're talking about an original painting, there is likely just one of them in existence in the world. If you're talking about a da Vinci or a Michelangelo painting, that is just one in existence and it, you know, was painted 600 years ago or 500 years ago. And so it, to, to buy that, it, it firstly, the supply is super constrained, but everybody would love to have one, right? Would you love to have a da Vinci on your wall at home? Well, some people would, would not, but a lot of people would. And so the demand is high, but most people you know, it's just completely out of their realm. And obviously Da Vinci is, is out of almost everybody's realm. But if, but even other artists that are, you know, semi-popular, prices can go up significantly just because of the constrained supply on those paintings. And so then we have uh, constrained supply on things like sneakers, where Nike will only release a certain quantity available of a new Jordan drop or a new, you know, one of their new drops. And so they sell out. And so that is, again, the supply being constrained. Same thing with Rolex watches. Same thing with comic books. Now, with comic books, it's a print run, right? There's only so many of them that are actually printed. And so then we have, uh, you know, a certain period of time where that is actually actively printed and then it stops getting printed, which may sound familiar for Lego investors because it's the same thing, right? Instead of printing, it's manufacturing uh, plastic instead of paper, but it's the same thing. It is a period of time. With comic books, it's usually a period of time where, you know, which comes to an end and then they stop printing it. Uh, they would use terms like out of print, right? This this book is, or this comic book is out of print. And that basically is the same as a Lego set being retired. So if we have all of these options, with different investments that we could do, such as traditional investments like the stock market, real estate, or precious metals, commodities like gas or oil. And then we have collectible markets that we could also invest in, like fine art, trading cards, sneakers, comic books. Why do we choose Lego sets? Why do, why do I choose Lego sets? And, you know, I've thought a lot about all of these different collectible markets, and I was involved in a couple of them. Um, you know, minimally and more mostly the uh, comic book market. So I've dabbled in trading cards, but not really as a, not really specifically as an investor. You know, I, I was a Magic the Gathering collector for a while and different things, but that was a long time ago. Uh, I have looked at the sneaker market from kind of the sidelines, uh, but you know, the comic book market I did jump into as an investor, and I did quite well with it. 
Uh, but it's a whole different strategy and it's not so scalable. The problem with the comic book market that I found was that it's very hard to scale it out because when you are trying to find something that is already aftermarket and you're trying to get it so with the intention of flipping it or selling it later for a higher price, then you have to constantly be on the lookout for one or two units of that item. So for example, with comic books, if you're looking to invest in something that's already out of print, and you, you think you could sell it for 30% more and you could turn it around quickly. Uh, that's one strategy, obviously. Another one would be sit on it for a long time, like a long-term hold. But if you think you could turn it around quickly, um, then, you know, that's great. And that's exactly what I did. I was buying kind of these hardbound omnibus versions of comic books that were already out of print, um, very similar to Lego sets being retired. And I was buying them, I was setting alerts on eBay and I was buying them at prices that were, you know, below what I knew the market was because I had researched the market price. And so I knew if one popped up for $70, but the market price was 120, then that person didn't realize the value of the of the book that they were selling. And with books, that happens quite a lot. People don't realize the value of what they have. And it's the same with Lego, actually. And so you can often find great deals and then sell them at the market prices and pocket the difference. And that's the strategy that I chose. And I, you know, I did quite well. Um, I made a couple of thousand dollars, uh, but it, what I found was I was putting a lot of work in because you have to scour eBay, constantly try and find these great deals, try to find people who are undervaluing what they had. And so it's not scalable. And there's my first point about Lego sets. It is so scalable, right? It is so scalable because we can learn how to buy the stuff before manufacturing stops. And by doing that, we can buy them by the bucket load. We can buy a lot of them. And so if you figure out a great Lego set to invest in, then you're not just going to buy one of them because someone doesn't realize the value of what they have. You're, you could buy 100 of them or 400 of them, right? So scalability is a big factor. And the great thing about that is that you know, um, well, over time you will learn, I think, that the demand is so strong on Lego sets that even with 100 units of a set, uh, you likely won't have trouble moving them all, right? That's another thing is that you need demand to be there when you want to be able to scale it because uh, scalability depends on you being able to actually sell the inventory. And so um, with demand of Lego sets, it really is so strong that it helps to make it scalable. And that's just another thing that I really love, the security of knowing that Lego is one of the most demanded toys in the entire world and they're continuously growing uh, their their performance of the Lego group over the last couple of years has been incredible because they have really improved their designs. They've made them a lot more sophisticated and, and advanced and they've started targeting adults and it's working really, really well for them. Uh, demand is just so high for Lego sets right now. And so I love that security of knowing that the thing that I'm investing in is a market that is continuing to grow in general and the demand from the public is continuing to grow in general. This, could the same be said for comic books, for example? I'm not certain because I think the internet and, you know, the more people get drawn to things like TikTok, um, the less that they're going to read comic books. And I could make an argument that I think comic books were probably a lot more popular in 1980 than they are in 2023. And so, uh, you know, some of these other collectible markets may not be able to enjoy the same amount of growth in the overall demand for the items that you're investing in. And Lego sets, I think, are a great balance of having a ton of growth tried and tested over long periods of time that is actually still growing. It's still growing. 
uh, and over the last few years, we've seen explosion in that growth uh, in general. And I'm talking about the new condition Lego sets sold in Lego stores. You know, the actual market, the new the new market. So the demand is is super strong. Now, another thing I love about Lego when compared to some of these other markets is that there are different business models when you think about Lego sets, because you if you get a Lego set, you could choose. You know, you could choose to sell it as sealed condition firstly, in new sealed condition. Uh, or you could choose to part it out and sell it on BrickLink as parts, which a lot of, you know, I have a lot of friends who are very successful BrickLink sellers. And that's a great option because you can actually multiply your the value of the set by parting it out and selling the parts. Uh, or you could tap into the minifig market, just, just the minifig market alone, because a lot of these sets have minifigs in them that are worth a lot. So you could sell the minifigs individually, and then you could sell the rest of the set, you know, as a kind of a open box without the minifigs on eBay, and you could do quite well with that. Uh, you could also sell in different marketplaces. So with fine art, for example, it's or with wine, or with some of these other uh, collectibles, you start to become a little bit limited on the number of options you have to actually move the inventory out. So for example, if you're sitting on a painting that's worth $20,000 or $50,000, are you going to be able to go ahead and, and put that on you know, Facebook Marketplace um, to sell it? Or are you going to be able to sell it on Amazon? I, I Definitely not Amazon. Facebook Marketplace, maybe, depending on where you live. I get a little worried about that. I don't think I'm going to want to sell fine art on Facebook. Um, so you're going to want to turn to some of the antiquarian specialty websites, the specialty marketplaces or auctions and different things like that. eBay, obviously, you could sell most collectibles on, but you know, still, that's just one marketplace. And some of the other marketplaces don't quite work for some of these other collectible markets. And so you need to have kind of other specialty options. And BrickLink, for example, is a specialty option for Lego sets. It's a very niche website. A lot of people don't even know it exists. And it's a sophisticated Lego website. Uh, there are similar sophisticated marketplaces out there for coins or for comic books or for stamps uh, or for vintage watches, of course. So you do have those options out there if you are a collector of coins or comic books. But you need to learn what those are and you need to check you know, that the supply and demand on those sites will meet or will work for you for your individual case. And I would argue that maybe you have less options because you do need to use those specialty marketplaces a lot of the times or eBay depending on what the product is. But with Lego sets, I think you have a ton of options to sell. Uh, you could sell on Amazon or you could sell even on Walmart. You could sell on OfferUp. You could sell on um, Mercari or on Facebook Marketplace or on eBay or on BrickLink uh, or even other places. You know, there are these auction uh, style kind of live streaming services that have started recently that people are selling Lego on. Or you could go to conventions even, right? There are tons of brick conventions around the world and they invite merchants and actually you could set up a stall. And I know people who are doing very well with that as well. Uh, where you set up a stall, bring some old retired uh, sought after sets and you could actually do quite well at conventions as well. And, you know, then if all else failed, I also have friends who turn to the brick and mortar Lego store, right? They actually opened brick and mortar stores. Now, I know that that's not for everybody. There is a setup cost involved with that. But you can do very well opening a brick and mortar store. And if you don't have the resources to open your own store, you could also partner with a toy store in your area and, and tell them you have an old collection of Lego sets that there is a lot of uh, market demand for. Could you set up a little stall in their store or could they sell for you on consignment? 
could you bring your Lego inventory to a local toy store and ask them to sell it for you and they can take a 10% cut? Uh, or, you know, you could just go to a, a flea market and set up your own stall. Uh, there are just so many options to sell Lego sets and the demand from the public is so strong that I just think that the, the options to sell, the turnover options, liquidation options are all so much greater than a lot of the other collectible markets that are out there. Now, also, LEGO is tried and tested over long periods, right? It's tried and tested. Some of these other markets, there, there can sometimes be an argument that a collectible market is a short-lived kind of a bubble, right? You will hear people say that. That's what happened with Beanie Babies back in the day. There was, you know, a Beanie Babies craze, and the value started shooting up over time. Uh, people got all excited about them, and some people tried to start investing in them, and then it all collapsed, and it was a bubble. Now, the reason Beanie Babies collapsed is because they kept manufacturing them, right? The supply was not constrained, and so they kept making them, and the demand died down because the demand was a, a, a fad. It was a, it was a craze that had a, you know, a certain period of time, and it didn't have sustained demand in the long term. And so I've heard people compare Lego sets to Beanie Babies in the past, and I just think that's it's nonsense to be honest because lego is one of the most demanded toys in the world they have such a factor of collectability about it and it is not going away anytime soon like the demand for beanie babies did and also the lego group are they directly control the supply which is you know intentionally trying to reduce the supply because they want to free up shelf space in retailers for the next sets that they want to release and that's not what the beanie babies uh, what happened with Beanie Babies. So we had a sudden collapse of Beanie Babies, but that's not happening with these other collectible markets like fine art or fine wine, trading cards. Again, it all comes down to the supply being constrained longer term and also having sustained demand. And that's exactly what Lego sets have, right? It's And it's tried and tested over a very long period of time. Lego sets have been going up in value for a long, long time. It you know the the company is is very long, very old. For the last twenty years, we've seen success upon success. They almost went bankrupt in the early two thousands, uh, but then they started partnering with you know movie companies like you know Star Wars and Harry Potter, and they started doubling down on licenses and different things. And they just they the strategy was fine tuned and and improved. And since then, they've just been on the growth non-stop year over year and the last couple of years we've seen an explosion in that growth so tried and tested over long periods of time now the other thing i love about lego sets as an investment over other collectible markets is that it is easy to understand and when you're investing in a business you need it to be easy to understand yes there is a language that we speak right when you know if someone who's never invested in lego sets before finds one of my youtube videos uh, or listens to this podcast they're probably not going to understand some of the language and that's fine, right? That that's that's the same in any niche. You are gonna if you try to start flipping comic books right now or learning about vintage watches or fine art or wine or sneakers or trading cards, there is a language you need to learn. You're not gonna understand everything about that market for some time. It's gonna take a while. Lego is the same, right? We're gonna talk about things like part out values or price per piece or you know these different things and the different themes and what can happen with the return on investments of each theme and the best sets to invest in and how to get great deals and everything. There's a lot to learn, of course, but it's not difficult to understand it, right? When you look at what's happening with Lego sets, you can understand it. They manufacture on a schedule. 
after two years, and you know, it's not always two years, but on average two years, they stop manufacturing. Demand remains high because there's still collectability. And so prices go up. If you learn how to pick the right sets and you buy them at the right prices before they retire, you can, you know, create a great investment for yourself and create a, create an incredible income for, for yourself. And so that's not difficult to understand, right? You can see immediately what's happening here and how to get involved. With some of these other markets, it's a little harder to understand them. For stamps, for example, right? The stamps have a collectible market. I couldn't tell you the first thing about stamps from the outside. You know, it's it, I would need to get involved with it for a couple of months to really understand what's going on with the stamp market. And so... You know, Lego, I, th I feel like it is one of those collectible markets that is a little easier to understand. I could be a little bit biased, of course, because I'm involved in it so heavily, but I, I believe that it's easier to understand and easier to get started in some of those other markets. One of the other things, you know, I'll close out with, with two last real quick ones is that, you know, it's, it's easy to, to invest at different price points with Lego sets. If you're getting involved in fine art, you are not going to be able to sell, you know, fine art, or you're not going to be able to buy fine art for a hundred dollars, and you know, and jump into that investment market. Similar with fine wines and different things, you know, it, there's a bit of a barrier to entry there on uh, on things like um, the money that you got to actually have to get involved. With Lego sets, there's a range of different price points. So you could invest in twenty dollars sets or thirty dollars sets. You can also invest in five hundred dollars sets. There's a range. And so that opens up the doors to different strategies, different approaches, and you know it, it kind of reduces some of the fear that some people might have of getting started because you can invest smaller amounts try to, to test it out, see that it works, and then go a little bit bigger. So that's a huge thing because other collectible markets don't give you that benefit. Also, I think the time that you got to wait for your investment to go up significantly in value on Lego sets is not that long. If you compare it to something like art or wine, um, you know, it's not that long with Lego sets. Our hold time, our wait time is not that long. And, you know, within a year, you could be looking at incredible returns on returns. And that's the whole period that I like to look for. But other people can go a little longer, of course. You have options on how you want to do that. Um, but it's got a range of different options. And, you know, these these different strategies and different options that you can have with marketplaces, with, you know, part outs, minifigs and different things. Also with things like the price points you want to invest in and the whole time, it means that you can kind of carve your own path with Lego investing. You can figure out the best way to do it that works for you and the competition that you're going to have when you're selling your stuff with that exact same strategy as you will be smaller because some people that you think are your competitors are actually holding it for another year longer than you are. Or maybe they're not selling on the same platform as you because there's so many platform options. Uh, or maybe they're, you know, they're, they're selling it on only on Facebook and you're selling it on Amazon. And, or maybe you've learned how to get better prices. And that is another reason I love Lego investing so much because you can learn how to get great prices on Lego sets that you would never be able to get on fine art or fine wine because we can master the art of buying and use using a combination of different things like retailer discounts, but also cashback sites, credit card points, all sorts of cool things that you would not be able to do if you're buying a painting from somebody. So we've got all sorts of really, really cool reasons here that I just love the Lego investing market, much more than any other collectible market. In my mind, of course, again, I'm a little bit biased, but that is from, you know, from looking at the options because I'm always open to a, a, another option. As an investor, once again, we need to be looking at what the other options are out there. Could I make a better return on something else? So far with Lego investing, my answer to that has been no. 
I have not found any other investment, whether a traditional investment or another collectible market, that I could do better better in. And that may change over time. But right now, my focus is all on Lego investing. And this is exactly why, you know, some of these reasons that I think Lego sets are a phenomenal investment when compared to other markets. So I hope you found this useful or interesting, um, you know, and just sharing some thoughts here on why I love this market so much and uh, nerding out a little bit with you, uh, because why not? Now, once again, if you want to learn more about picking the right Lego sets, I do have a book that's available. You can get that at winningsetsecrets.com. The book is actually free, uh, just pay shipping. And um, you can actually grab that book, winningsetsecrets.com, to learn about picking the right Lego sets to invest in. So with that, thank you so much for being here, and I will see you in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating. It really does help us to bring you amazing content. And if you want to learn more about building an income with Lego, check out BrickBucks.net or find us on YouTube at BrickBucks to learn about Lego investing.